Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? Okay, I'm going to let you out if you'll quit whining. Hello? Let me out of here. Oh, wow. Get out! Let's podcast, Bill Lack. I'm back. If you, I guess. If you listened to last week's episode, goes again. you know that Bill Lack and Jason Linden, my good buddies, took over the podcast for a week. It was a hostile takeover, a bloodless coup, and uh, they did a fine job on the podcast. But I'm back again to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Bill, uh, that, was a, that was a fun episode. I enjoyed listening to you and uh, Jason get together and discuss the old Reds. Yeah, we did okay. You know, there, there were a couple of little spots where each of us was waiting for the other one to say something. You know, we didn't have that smooth dots and uh, hosting abilities. So, but I think we did okay. Well, after uh, 275 episodes here of the uh, world's most dangerous podcast, I, you know, maybe we're starting to figure something out. So you learned that it's not so easy sitting in my chair. Well, you know, I, I'm too wide for your chair. Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode number 275 of Red Leg Nation Radio. As I said, the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm Chad Dotson with me again this week, the godfather Bill Lack. And, and Bill, never a dull moment uh, around these Cincinnati Reds. Is that we say, I feel like we say that a lot and it's always true, right? There's always something to talk about. I mean, you know, we could, you know, one of the things I think we'll talk about later is, is uh, the, the David Hernandez game the other night where where David Bell just seemed to manage against his ty- against the, the, his style. Uh, let's go ahead, since you brought it up, let's go ahead and dig into that one. Of course, that's the first game of the Milwaukee series. The Reds, right now as we stand, and we're recording this a day early this week. It's a holiday week. Happy Independence Day to everyone, and uh, celebrate safely. Don't uh, blow off any fingers with fireworks. But uh, the Reds sit five and a half games out of first place as we record this, and um, and you'd have to say, if you'd asked last year, or at the beginning of the year, I guess, and said, if the Reds, at you know, after halfway through the season, which is where we are, essentially, just past the halfway point of the season, the Reds are five and a half games out of first place, would you take that? And, and to me, the answer is yes, right? Wouldn't you take that? I can't, I can't imagine anybody in their right mind that wouldn't have said, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we are in last place right now. But still, in the race, in the race. And it's that's why games like the first game of the Milwaukee series that you just referenced are so uh, frustrating. We've had so many of these frustrating games. In that game, of course, the Reds lost after jumping out to a lead. And um, Tyler Malley was pitching well, pitched into the seventh inning. And first of all, it's rare for David Bell to allow a pitcher to go that deep into a game when you're looking at the third uh, time through the lineup, and then it just all fell apart. What, what, was, what, what was he doing that night? What was going on? I, you and I were we were tweeting, the uh, uh, not tweeting, but we were we were uh, text messaging each other during the the infamous David Hernandez blowout, and ne- uh, neither one of us could figure out what he was doing. Uh, it, it was like somebody had him tied up in the dugout. And he couldn't get to the phone. He couldn't get to the steps. 
I mean, it, and it, they just left him out there. I mean, now you, you find out later that they, you know, somebody told me, and I don't remember if it was you or somebody else said that they had said earlier that Iglesias was unavailable. And then the next day in the paper, it also said that Garrett was unavailable. Okay. Well, there's still a whole bunch of other guys out in the bullpen that we could have brought in there. Yeah. They carry 16 relievers on this roster, right? I thought it was 18. Yeah. Well, let me, let me break it down. Here's the way it went. The Reds are up 3 to nothing going into the 7th. You're coming off uh, winning a series against the first-place Cubs, 2 out of 3, and um, really ready to get off to a good start in this series against the Brewers. Tyler Malley has been brilliant up to this point through six innings. But then we get to the top of the 7th, and it's the third time through the lineup, and Lorenzo Cain leads off with a, with a home run against uh, Malley. Um, Let's see. Next, uh, next uh, batter was it was an infield single, but uh, Eric Thames reached on a single. So then you know it's the third time through the lineup thing, which I'm surprised that Bell even left him on there, but uh, out there for that. But after that, he replaces him with David Hernandez, and Hernandez allows a single, allows a double, scored a run, um, did get a, a fly ball out, then walk, then walked in a run, and then allowed a single to score another run. Um, and then I lift a sacrifice fly to score yet another run, and a three to nothing lead was six to three by the time David Hernandez finished vomiting all over the mound. And again, there was no throughout that inning, David Bell didn't even have anyone warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. It was what blew me away. I mean, there was literally it, it, no it, one even up there in the pen. It, it's so contrary to the way he's managed all year that I, it's it's beyond. I, I just don't get it. Uh, I, I don't know where you know what was going on that night. My guess is there were more guys unavailable than they were willing to t- say, which is hard to believe. Is you know, and I, I and I and I, I they said this last night on the broadcast. Hughes has kind of become a forgotten man in the bullpen. It's like they don't trust him. Uh, and his numbers, you know, have been very good. And, and clutch situation, you know, and like you said, they didn't even have anybody up. Yeah, the whole thing didn't it just absolutely made no sense to me. And, you know, and I, and as every Reds fan in the world that was watching the game was screaming at his television going, go get him. Uh, it's funny to me because, uh, you know, I think David Bell's doing a pretty good job right now based on what we can, uh, can judge him by. And I don't have a problem. I, I don't like the way it looks, all the pitching changes that he likes to do. We've discussed this here on the podcast before. I, I think uh, just aesthetically it's ugly. It doesn't, it's not pleasing to me viewing the game. But I think that's a big reason why the Reds' pitching staff, starters, and relievers have been so effective this year is that he's done a good job putting them in positions to be successful and getting them out before they get into trouble. Um, and that and that that's caused a lot of people around uh, you know Reds' Twitter and and, and Reds fans uh, at gen- in general just to be frustrated with David Bell because uh, he's managing. It, in a way that a lot of other managers are managing these, these days around the league, but we've never seen in Cincinnati before. And it was just like an about face all of a sudden. And that, that to me, that just, I, that's what you've been asking for. <laughs> I guess a lot of people. He became Dusty Baker. He really did there for just a moment. I gotta let, I'm going to let him work his way out of this. You know, and, and, and like I said, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm overall, I'm pretty happy with the job Bell's doing. You know, there are things that I don't understand, and we're going to get into some of that a little bit later when we talk about Scooter. Uh, But uh, overall, 
I, I think he's got this team playing hard. They're competitive every night. They've lost a lot of one-run games. And it, I mean, if you flip half of those, this team is is fighting for the division title. Yeah, and it's the thing we've been saying. We don't need to belabor it too much, but we've been saying it. They're definitely better uh, than than they you know than the record shows. But games like that one kind of reminds you. Uh, this is why they're kind of still just a, a five hundred ish team. But here's what I wanted to ask you because this is something we talked about early in the season here on the podcast, Bill. And I kind of uh, disagreed with you a little bit. I tried, gave, I pushed back some on it, but I wondered if you had a thought during that inning. And you just mentioned that maybe there were more guys unavailable. Is this a symptom of the fact that he's quote unquote overworking some of these guys out in the bullpen? You, you remember our discussion about that a number of times earlier in the year. Yeah. And I still, you know, only time will tell. And I hope you, it ends up with you being right. And you're on one side and I know Steve Mancuso doesn't think they are being, are being, and I, and I you know, and a couple other guys I've read on Twitter don't think they are, but I would like to see a trend curve and see whether they, you know, is the bullpen ERA going up? Is the, you know, is the amount of runners per game inherited runners allowing to score? Is that going up? Are we seeing any kind of a trend here or are we just seeing, you know, a a blip, you know, where they're struggling here for a couple of weeks and they're going to settle down and be, but you know, only time will tell. Well, that was the first game that I saw and I thought, Oh, you know what? If there are a lot of guys unavailable, that would explain it. And, and that maybe fit into what you were wondering about earlier. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the news items. Before, before, wait a minute, before we get off this, I was thinking about something the other day, and I want to ask you what you thought about this, because they were they were talking about if 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 the trend becomes that the, that the starters are not really, and I'm talking about baseball wide, not just with the Reds. If the, they're not really going to get through the third time in the in the rotation, so you're really looking at trying to get three plus innings out of your bullpen every night. You're going to start seeing them. Are you, you think you're going to start seeing them carry more pitchers? And, and also like what we've talked about, the Dodgers did in the past, you, you would stock your bullpen. I would think with young guys with a lot of options and you could just turn it into a rotation. You, you, you know, you get a, a good group of guys in, in relief at AAA and when guys are unavailable at the big leagues, you rotate them out, and, you know, and you end up with, you know, 14 relievers. But, you know, it's never – it's not always the same guys. At the you very – You see what I'm saying? Yeah. At the very least, uh, you know, I think you're right. I think that uh, there's going to – I think we're seeing the beginnings of some of those changes here in Cincinnati with the number of relievers they carry. And I, I do sort of like the Dodgers model, although it's going to be frustrating for a, a lot of guys. But maybe three guys at the back of the pen – Two or three guys are just, and you got two or three guys in Louisville, and they're just on the on the interstate back and forth, uh, you know, send them up and down so that you've got fresh arms every night. It's uh, the, the guys. Well, the guys that will really not like it are the veteran guys that are a little more expensive that they won't. That a lot of teams won't want because they won't be able to help this rotation that they want to do. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, veteran guys, that moves right into uh, the first news item for the week that I want to discuss, and I said the Reds actually cut bait. On Zach Duke this week, of course, the Reds signed Duke, the left-handed reliever, 36 years old, to a uh, free agent contract in the offseason, a couple million dollars, and uh, he has been uh, not good. And the Reds actually cut bait on him, uh, designated him for assignment. There's an expectation that he will not be claimed and that he will not accept a um, demotion to Louisville, so he will likely become a free agent. Uh, Were you surprised that the Reds cut bait on Zach Duke? 
No, I, I was kind of I was kind of surprised they didn't do it earlier. You didn't think they'd do it at all. I remember earlier in the year we were talking about this, and you were talking about you know they wouldn't cut him because of two and a half million dollars. Well, I, I still am having trouble believing that it's a new regime in place that's not going to act like the old guys, you know, because they never would have in the past. No, I agree with you. And But you know what? And again, talking about these young guys, we're talking about this game earlier where Hernandez was struggling the other day, and that was the day that they cut Duke. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and Herget was here. So we know he was available. Now, I'm not saying that you necessarily want to throw this kid in, you know, his first game in the big leagues to bail out Henderson Hernandez. But if you don't have anybody else available and he's out there getting pounded, throw the kid out there and see what he's got. No, I agree. I agree. And he's, he, he fits the pattern of the kind of guys that would be on the, the escalator up and down to triple a yeah. back of the bullpen. Jimmy. I mean, his, and I don't know how he's pitched lately down there. Jason would probably know better than I do because he lives down that way, but his numbers are not really, really good this year. No, but he uh, has had good. Uh, he has had success in the past, and he's a guy that I thought we'd see here eventually. Yep, yeah, and 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 we wish it. We, we're really. I'm, I'm excited to see him, and I hope he. I hope he becomes a longtime member of the Reds bullpen. We need relievers. Uh, what about Robert Stevenson? Where was he that night? Well, he did pitch that night. Yeah. Why did Why, why didn't he pitch? Six batters what earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, he did end up giving up a home run and giving up two runs in the ninth inning. So. Bill, I'm trying to vent here. Don't uh, don't <laughs> drop facts on me. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the logic to myself. <laughs> okay. The other big uh, news item of the week, not that the Zach Duke was a particularly big news item. It's big for him and his family, I'm sure. And thank you for uh, two stints now with the Reds, Zach Duke. Uh, the other big news well, is... But before we get off of Zach Every Duke, time I try to mention news, you're interrupting me. Now, do I need to remind you that I'm out of the closet and I'm running this show now? Well, we can always put you back in the closet. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But but uh, from everything I've read and everything I've heard, the Zach Duke is a, is a quality individual, lo- lot for the community, blah blah blah. And thank you for what you did for Cincinnati and for the Reds while you were here. Over the years, you know that's something that I've, I guess you become more aware of uh, these guys that you know. It really started occurring to me around the time Corey Patterson was here, and he was just hammered in all corners, and I was very critical of his play as well. But man, that guy played hard every day. Zach Duke, you know what? He tried his best every single second he was here with the Reds. You know, he's just not good enough anymore. But uh, there's no reason to hate the guy and scream for his job or whatever. I, I try not to do that. Um, so I agree. Uh, thank you for your service, Zach Duke, to the Cincinnati Reds organization. Now, can I get into the other uh, news item hey, I wanted to mention? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, 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 I'll stand over him and be very quiet. <laughs> That'll be the first time ever. You know better than that, brother. <laughs> they announced the uh, the All-Star teams this week, and the Reds, uh, disappointingly, I guess, only had one person, one player named to the All-Star team, and it was the guy that we all expected to be named, starting pitcher Luis Castillo, the 26-year-old right-hander getting his first National League All-Star nod. Uh, no surprises, I presume, that Castillo made the team, and, uh, and are you as happy as I am that he's going to be there in Cleveland for the All-Star game. Yeah, I hope he doesn't pitch. <laughs> I'm not the All-Star game fanatic that you are, and, and, and I don't want my pitcher pitching in games that don't count. I love me some All-Star game. I know you do. I'm, uh, if, I, I, outgrew that, I outgrew that in like 1971. <laughs> well, I hadn't grown at all in 1971. Um, 
Luis Castillo, man, I, I love I love everything about the All Star Game. I'm gonna love seeing him there uh, when they do the introductions. And I, it seems like every year around this time, I go into my gooey All Star Game love phase because I just I don't know I just you know it's an exhibition and who cares? But I've always loved it and I still do. And uh, and I'm still a little upset that uh, the Reds only got one player on the team. Were you surprised they only got one? Not really. Anytime that, as long as they have this, you know, every team has to have an all-star rule, then somebody's going to get shorted, and the teams that are going to get shorted are teams that are at the bottom of the divisions. True, but last year the Reds were the worst team in the history of organized baseball. That includes all the way down to Little League. And the Reds had three all-stars last year. Yeah, that's a good, you're, you're, you know, you're right, but. This year's their turn in the barrel, apparently. Yeah, I was hoping they get another one. And the one specifically I was hoping they would get is a guy that I wrote about uh, for uh, Cincinnati Magazine today, my weekly column there, uh, Amir Garrett. You know, Amir was very uh, vocal about the fact that he wanted to make the All-Star team. Uh, that's one of his own personal goals. And uh, and I thought he had a really good chance. I still think he has had a, you know, should have been there. Um, I, I guess I wasn't surprised given the fact that he's not a closer. But I was disappointed that Garrett didn't make it. How much do you love Amir Garrett? Is the first question I have for you. Man, I tell you what, I think he is fun to watch. And, and, and if he ever gets his walk rate down, that's the only, he's going to be one of the best relievers in baseball. That's the only thing standing between him and being one of the Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I got to look at the numbers as I was writing this piece, and uh, it just blew me away. Uh, ERA 1.7, of course. That's second best among uh, relievers. Um he uh, his strikeout rate, ground ball rate, way up. And then I started looking at the stat cast numbers, and only two pitchers in the entire National League have been more successful at limiting barrels. That's basically you know, when when a guy barrels a hard hit ball. Only he, he, only two pitchers have been more successful than him. People are not making hard contact against him. The expected slugging percentage against him, based on how hard his opponents have hit the ball against him, is two sixty one, which is in the top one percent of pitchers in either league. So. Um, he's got that gorgeous slider. He has that uh, that fastball and the slider last night. Did you get to watch him last night in the second game of the Brewers yes. series? Oh my goodness, he was making the Brewers look silly. He, he made it look pretty easy last night. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So, are, are you are you a little surprised at the way that the Reds are using he and Lorenzen? Um. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, it's actually, it's he and Lorenz and Iglesias. I mean, it, it, it's it's like he's picked, you know, and, and I I, li- I like it myself. Um, it's like he's picking, I don't know if he's picking what he feels like is a hot hand or if he's going with some analytics thing that I'm not quite following or, you know, or what. But I'm liking the fact that he seems to pick a guy each night for the high leverage situations. It's not always one, the same guy. It's good to have more than one guy. And I think he's changed that up a little bit here lately after Roselle Iglesias complained about not getting his saves. But, uh, uh, no, I, th- I think it's, I think, I think he's doing a good job mixing that up. I'm, I can't say that I'm surprised cause I don't know that what I expected from David Bell, but I'm pleased it would be a better term. Um, Amir Garrett should be complaining about not getting saves because to me, that's the only reason he didn't make the all-star team. Three relievers were picked. Three relievers have to be picked in the player vote, and all three were closers. 
uh, Will Smith from the Giants, uh, Kirby Yates, the Padres, Josh Hader from the Brewers. And they all have, you know, 20 plus saves. Uh, Mary Garrett has zero. And so that's really the only thing I could figure out as to why he wasn't uh, in the All-Star game. But um, let me ask you before we get off uh, the Mary Garrett discussion, because I tried to make the case in my uh, my piece that, uh, you know, MLB, this, that's Major League Baseball, Bill. Uh, MLB. Okay. Let me, can I write that down? Yes. M L B. I'm surprised you can okay. spell that. Um, well, I, I, took, I, I had to take off my shoes. <laughs> As MLB <laughs> is trying to engage younger fans, it seems to me that Amir Garrett should be one of the faces of, uh, of the Reds and of baseball. I mean, here's a guy that's dominant on the mound, but he's also a guy that has fun out there. Um, he's a former college basketball player at, a, at a, what used to be a big-time program. Um, he plays a lot of Fortnite, which the kids love these days. Um, he's just he's funny. He's engaging. He, he's demonstrative on the field. He has fun. He, to me, he's everything that's right about baseball. And uh, that's a guy MLB should want on their national stage at the All-Star game. To me, am I, am I overstating the case? No, but you're also a Reds fan. I, you know, I, I would be willing to bet that the uh, the guys that are you know hater and the guy you know the, the other guys the other relievers they're probably quality people and blah 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 too. And if you asked a Padres fan or a Giants fan or a Brewers fan, they would say the same things about their guys that you just said about Garrett. Two things: uh, those guys all deserve to make the All Star team that I mentioned. I I, I can't argue that uh, Garrett. I think he's as good as any of them, but those guys are, are worthy. But none of those guys are as good at Fortnite as uh, as Amir Garrett. Bobby Nightingale just tweeted that Scooter Jeanette has been pulled from the game after four innings with no explanation. Well, I guess that leads us into the second thing we were going to talk about. Um, yes, might, it does. Might as well dig right into it. Scooter Jeanette's back. Had you noticed? Yeah, I've seen all the outs he's been making. He has not been playing well since his return, and uh matter of fact, going, going into tonight, he was hitting 118. Seven, he was like two for 17 or something, wasn't he? Two for 17, hasn't drawn a walk, um, two measly singles. Um, and one of them was an infield dumper. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, okay, you know, we're talking about. And at, least, and at least one error. He made an error tonight. I don't think they charged him with an error tonight on that, but it was a garbage throw. And then on the very yeah, next. He threw it, he threw it so, far, so far past Votto, he couldn't even get a glove on it. Yeah, it was awful. Um, so he did make a nice play getting to the ball, to be fair. Uh, he did. He did. Um, the, then the next batter, it was hit to him and he couldn't get to it. He dove past him. He dove yep. and, and it went past him. He couldn't, didn't have enough range to get there. But anyway, you know, we're just talking about five games basically, but, uh, Scooter Jeanette has been bad and now he's been pulled from the game. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what, the what the story is there. Is, or is he hugging anyone in the dugout? I, I, they haven't shown it. All I saw was the tweet from Nightingale. It might be time for the Hug Watch 2019 because, you know, if they get traded in the middle of a the game, they pull them out and they go hug all their teammates. Maybe he's been traded. Maybe I, I would tend to think it was a re-injury, but. Well, that'll, uh, that'll solve one problem, and it'll create a bigger problem for Scooter Jeanette personally. Yeah, I. You know, you know, you never wish anything like that on anybody. I hope it's, I, I you know, I hope it's no big deal. Maybe it's just a little soreness or 
or he got traded or something like that. But, you know, and, and God, I'm, I'm as far from a major league baseball hitting coach as, as you can possibly be, but his bat just looks really slow to me. Uh, you also wondered aloud, I saw, I think I saw earlier today, uh, whether the Reds may have uh, pushed him back too quickly. What, what makes you think that? Well, I, I, he's looked so awful. And, he, you know, and, 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 and the big thing to me was the bat looked really, really slow. And why in the world he was hitting in a four hole tonight it is, is beyond my ability to grasp. Um, you know, in Tom Brenneman, a typical Tom Brenneman form says, oh, they got to get, they're going, they're, they're going to get, they're get him going. Yeah, let's get him going by giving him more at bats in the four hole. Is that, is that worse than having Jesse Winker starting in center field? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm glad Jesse Winker's starting center field and leading off. That's good. Uh, you know, Scooter, this has been sort of the question hanging over this podcast for the last three years. What do we do with Scooter? And it's still a question, and, and I don't know the answer to it. It's the it's the conundrum, as far as I can tell, with this team. Um, Tyler Doyle had a viewer mail question for us uh, from uh, patreon.com slash Radio. Will you guys talk about Scooter and his lack of production since coming up? You got it, Tyler. We just did. Oh, man. Now, he, sound, now he sounds like a second baseman. Tyler Doyle, doesn't that sound like a second baseman that, that, to you? Ooh, maybe a shortstop that had to slide over to second base. He got a little older, knees yep. started to go, yeah. you know, had, had to move him over. <laughs> but he can, make, he can make the pivot. He can make the pivot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know what to do with Scooter Jeanette. Well, Jason and I talked a little bit about this last week, I believe. Um, I think there is zero chance that the Reds sign him to an extension. Yep. If they were going to sign him to an extension, they'd have done it by now. Because he was chomping at the bit for an extension since, well, he claimed that he was going to get an extension, you know, what was it, halfway through last year. Well, he'd been talking to the owner about that. Yeah, and and, and that was the old front office. Yeah. I mean, I, you sort of feel like he's – he, when he comes back, he's healthy. He's going to play because he's he's Scooter, and he has been a good hitter since he's joining the Reds. He's been a very productive player for this team. Yeah. Um, is you know, and, and the guy he's really competing with, because uh, Jose Peraza has just kind of disappeared, the guy he's competing with for those the second base innings is Derek Dietrich, who's an all, also a 29-year-old, slightly younger, but the same age essentially, and – you know he's just hitting two twenty three, although much more productive across the board. Certainly three fifty one on base. Uh, he's, he's drawn some walks. He's hit a bunch of home runs. He's cooled off recently, but still um, a productive hitter. And, and both neither of them can play defense very well. So, but you kind of figure Scooter's going to play a lot, and and Dietrich's going to move around to other positions, and he'll get his at bats as well. But but if you're not going to re-sign him, and you're not going to be able to trade him, I don't know. Play him through the end of this year and just say good luck to you. I guess I you know. Um, yeah, you know, and and, and you and as you said, the uh, the guy that suffers through the most through all this is Peraza. That's what bothers me. He's fallen off the cliff, uh, but he's just twenty five, and I'm still have high. I'm not as high on him as Jason Linden is, uh, certainly, but still think he's got a chance of being a guy. Although I like him more as a, a utility guy, super sub, playing five days a week all around the around the field, but. You know, I think if I'm the manager of this team, I probably am starting Scooter Jeanette five days a week at second base. Peraza and Dietrich can play other positions, and you get him in the lineup. But Scooter's been so good, you got to think he's going to come around eventually. I think I probably, if I'm David Bell, I do. 
Of course, you know, the other thing with that is, you know, we've got a lot of guys that we keep saying are going to come around and they still aren't at the, they still aren't at the numbers on their baseball card. Not yet, but some of those guys are coming around. They are coming around and we got two in particular. Those two are Kurt Casale and Matt Kemp. No. No. No, Matt Kemp's not coming back around. He didn't like it here. No. And, and, and it's not Brandon Phillips because he's playing independent league baseball somewhere. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet he's still, I bet he can still pick it, though. I bet he can. I'm sure. He, um, I, I think I'm afraid what Scooter Jeanette's going to run into is that baseball's gotten so much smarter since the Reds handed that contract to uh, Brandon Phillips, that extension. Although although he was roughly worth what his extension was. I'm not trying to criticize Brandon Phillips on that. But I don't see teams making those deals for 30-year-old middle infielders, these, especially those with an injury history. I if, want, Scooter, if Scooter gets a uh, – if he gets a three-year deal, I'd be shocked. I think he I think he may not even get it. I mean, look at what the Glaciers and Dietrich ran into. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, Jeanette may get one somewhere for not a lot of money. Well, not a lot of money for a uh, you know, big league player, but right. – um, but it would not surprise me either if the Reds or if uh, Jeanette had to sign a minor league deal somewhere before next season. That's how crazy the free agent system yeah. has gotten. Yeah, the more you talk about it, the more I tend to agree with you. I think that, I, in fact, I almost think unless the free agent market changes from where it's been the last two years, you know, swings back in the other direction, I think that's exactly what he's probably looking at. Yeah, that's it's just not valued on the free agent market right now, what he brings to the table. But then again, you look at Dietrich and you look at Jose Iglesias, and you're like, well, those are guys that can still help a team. Scooter Jeanette can still help a team if he's in the right spot. I think he can help an American League team where he can play second base in DH and just you know, basically hit against uh, right-handers. And I think he can really help your team. As an everyday second baseman, I'm just not sure going forward that he that any team's going to be willing to, to permit that. So in certain months, and, and a lot of people don't want to hear that, but – uh, Scooter's days in Cincinnati are probably coming to an end, but it's been a fun run. You know, I'm going to have fond memories of Scooter Jeanette. He had four home runs in one yeah, game. And, you know, and, and you don't help your value when your when your injury costs you half a season in your contract year. Yep, absolutely. Uh, hashed Brown, Alex Wood. Should say that Alex Wood. Uh, that's another piece of news we didn't get to a moment ago. Alex Wood looked like he was coming back, then had another setback, but it's supposedly. Uh, still still doing some lower back soreness, suffered a little bit of a setback. We're supposedly going to pitch again uh, soon off a of mound. So oh, I, who knows? I don't know what to say about Alex I'm Wood. On, I'm at the point on Alex Wood. I'm like, I don't even want to hear about Alex Wood till he's pitching in a rehab start in the minor leagues. It's like Sean Marshall to... back in the day. I, I, I don't even want to hear about him. <laughs> well, I do want to hear about him, I want, but I want his value to drop so much that the Reds can sign him really cheaply. Yeah, I know you. That that's your thing, but what backs scare me. If somebody's had a bad back for 25 years, I bad backs scare me. The guys that have come around, first of all, let's talk about Joey Votto. Yes. Joey Votto's numbers now across the board, he's an above average, uh, above league average hitter, despite, you know, about six weeks ago, he was just, well, he was in the, in the toilet. So Joey Votto returned out of nowhere. What about that? He's doing okay. I mean, he's, you know. <laughs> he's looking, he's look. Uh, you know, I let myself get suckered in because he is, you know, 48 years old now. You know, in the last month, his OPS is 947. That's not so bad. That's yeah, I mean, he's got his, his, his slugging percentage in the last month. His last, actually, the last two weeks, 
it was 535 and the last 28 days it's 537. So that means, you know, it's not just two weeks he's been hitting. He's been hitting good, you know, solidly for the last month and hitting the ball hard. Last two months he's hitting 305. On-base percentage nearer 400. I mean, uh, he was just so bad early on. And, I, you know, I fell into the trap of saying this guy's – because he didn't look good. He'll tell you that his swing looked awful, but he's looked more like the confident Joey Votto over the last uh, you know, six weeks or so. And it's been his fun to watch. His percentage in June was 506. That's good. Is he ever yeah. gonna, is he ever going to be a, a power hitter again? Probably not. But he's good enough, he, and, and everything else he does very well. Ideal number two hitter. He, he, he's he's helping them right now. I mean, there ain't no doubt about that. The other guy that has come around. Oh man, your guy, Yasiel Puig. I know. Yasiel Puig in the last twenty eight days. Horses, man, wild horses. Wild horse. Last 28 days, 329 average, 391 on base, 684 slugging. That's basically a month of an OPS at almost 1,100. He's almost got his OPS. His OPS plus is at 91 and climbing. Yeah, yeah. And, again, that's a situation where it was so bad early on. That's kind of if amazing. He was a, if he was a stock, you'd want to buy. I think so because he's certainly ascending <laughs> now, and uh, and that's that's a question that we had uh, on the hashtag viewer mail, which is uh, Yasiel Puig. This is questions from Kyle Kapler at Team Captain 08 asks contract extension, qualifying offer, or contract extension for Puig, assuming he is not traded this month, and why. So, uh, you know, the thing about, uh, and we also had from the uh, Three Old Reds Fans podcast, good podcast, asked, would you offer Puig a contract? And if so, how many years is five too many? Um, so, I, you know, I tweeted last night just after that. And, and, and if you didn't see it, you've surely seen the highlights by now. Puig made a wild dash from first base. Uh, really fun to watch to score the winning run in extra innings against Milwaukee last night, uh, and uh, just, he was barreling around second base and then really alert, and the ball got away as he hit third, and he took off for home and scored ahead of the throw. I just, uh, it was it was amazing. And I, made, I said, oh, sign him to an extension right this second. But I know our buddy Jason Linden has been very vocal about uh, signing him to an extension. What do you think? Should they do that? I will say this about Puig, and, and, and I think Branham and Tom, I think Tom said it last night at the end of the ballgame, you know, you can say what you want to say about the, the it, whatever happened in Los Angeles. He has done nothing but play hard every second that he's been on the field for the Reds. I, I can't remember one play that he took off since, since, since the season started. Um. Would I like to keep him around? Yes. But I, I, I have to admit that I have concerns about a guy that admits before the season that once he got his last contract, he didn't play as hard. That's concerning to me. Sure, it now should maybe, be. Maybe, maybe he's gotten older and matured, and but he, you know, he wouldn't be the first guy in the world that, that signed a, a big deal and, and, and you know, relaxed and, and – regressed um but you can only base it on what he does for you and 
He's he's doing everything you can ask out of a ball player right now. That absolutely should be a concern. I think you're absolutely right. But I like the way that Chris Garber put it on Twitter last night. Chris Garber, of course, one of the authors of the fabulous book, The Big 50. The men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds available everywhere you buy fine books. Chris Garber said the advanced billing of a player has never been as wrong as it was for Yasiel Puig. I'm not sure there's been a harder playing red since Ryan Friel. And then that mad dash last night was a very smart baseball play. He's right. I mean, everything we've seen. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I said on Twitter last night that I noticed when they showed him one of the replays, he made that play from third base on his own. He got no help from the third base coach. He was just standing there watching the game. Oh, yeah, he was being held up by the so, third so base coach. Made that all, on, that, all that decision-making and instinct was all his own. He was not told to go. I'm not even sure he was told to hold up. I didn't see the third base coach do anything. Oh, I, I, I just I thought I saw him uh, holding him up. Um, and I could be, and I, you could be right. I could be, you know, I could be misremembering. But, but either way, either way, that was on him, and he just, uh, it was a smart play. It was, and he's been accused and a big of win. I oh. mean, if they lose last night, you know, they're two down in the series of a, you know, and looking to lose the series the next night. A huge game to win. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, the thing about Puig, I've been saying it over and over, is that I just I don't see a circumstance where Puig's going to be willing to sign a contract extension before he gets to talk to every team. Maybe I'm wrong, and this is I have no inside knowledge of this. I just he's he was pretty vocal about wanting to get paid, and I just maybe he, the fact that he started out the season so slow. Maybe that'll uh, soften him up in terms of being able to – I would attempt to – it depends on what the numbers are, obviously, but I would absolutely be trying to talk to his agent and get some idea of what it would take. And uh, because I think he's a guy, you know, at age 28, you can keep him around. Sign him for a three- or four-year deal. Um, would you he, go five? I would go five. Yeah, I would go five. Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, that eliminates a, an issue, a, a hole you got to have to feel. Uh over the next few years. And so, and I don't know that the Reds have anyone particularly ready to take that spot. Now, the other part of that question that we got was about a qualifying offer. And the thing I would do, I think almost unquestionably what I would do is if, uh, if the Reds don't sign him to an extension before the end of the season and they aren't, aren't able to trade him, they may, they may trade him by the end of the month. I don't know. They wouldn't trade Matt Harvey last year. So I'll be surprised if they trade Yasiel Puig. But uh, different front office now. I mean, you know, different true. different mindset. Let's true. let's be honest here. Fool me once, shame on me. Or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, I'm still I've been burned too many times. Shame um, on somebody. Anyway. Yeah, I won't get <laughs> fooled again. Um, Any mortal words of Roger Daltrey. <laughs> so, if they aren't able to sign him though, and he wants to test the free agent market, I absolutely make him a qualifying offer. And how that works, for those of you who don't know, if the Reds make uh, him a qualifying offer, essentially it's a one-year contract in the neighborhood of, it'll be around $18 million for next year. And if he takes it, you got him for a year. Uh, if he doesn't take it, then you get uh, some compensation in, in the form of a draft pick from whoever signs him. I do that because I'll pay him $18 million next year. The Reds have so much money coming off the books. I'll pay him $18 million. And if you're not going to be able to sign him long-term, at least you've got him in, in right field there as sort of a gap to Taylor Trammell or to whoever else they're able to acquire that's going to be the long-term answer out there. So I, I think that if you're not able to sign him, I do 
look at making that qualifying offer and at least keeping him around one more year if possible. And if, if he doesn't, if he goes somewhere else, if somebody pays him, okay, well, at least you get something out of it rather than just nothing if you just let him walk. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, and, and he's probably the only one of the, the guy, guys in walk years that I would do that with. Yeah, yeah. So, Yasiel Puig, bring it on, man. I, I, I Again, I'm... I got some of this recency bias. I watched him last night. Hey, well, and he's been fun from day one. You know, I like having him in a Reds uniform. And uh, I hope he, at some point, though, I know he's going to drop a ball in right field. <laughs> Probably. Because he, he, he never, he doesn't catch the ball like you were taught to catch the ball. You know what? You know, he's always reaching out and snapping it and, and you know, basking in it. And, and it makes me a nervous wreck every time. You know who else did that? Dave Parker back in the day. Oh, yeah. Dave used to snap it. Yeah. Nice double play there. <laughs> JoJo Jammer at win one Super Bowl. Win just one Super Bowl, asks JoJo Jammer. He um, must be a Bengals fan. No doubt about oh. it. He asked, and, and before we get off that, I did say on Twitter tonight, I think after the season, though, we could probably play some inside linebacker for the Bengals. Uh, probably. And probably wreck somebody. He is somebody. a big fan. Yeah. I mean, and quick. I, you know, all I've ever seen him on is on the baseball field, but he looks he, he's a big man. He, uh, Jojo Jammer's a question here is about Yasiel Puig. Uh, he okay. could help the Bengals win one Super Bowl, I'm sure of it. Um, although I'm, I'm equally as certain that he's never played football in his life. Is Puig more valuable to the Reds as a long-term player or as a trade piece? I'm only asking because we have some young, controllable outfielders who project to be pretty good. Keep up your great work. I live in the Philippines and enjoy listening to you guys. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Um, he's a good follow on Twitter as well. To me, I don't see Puig being – I'm not sure any of these guys the Reds have on one-year deals are very good trade pieces right now. I just I don't see teams giving up a whole lot for two months. Yeah, I, I think it depends on which, how you define very good twi- you know, trade piece. I don't think Puig is going gonna, is gonna to – buy us a major league ready guy that will help them next year. Uh, do I think he could, he might bring them a couple of pretty good a players or double a players? Maybe. Yeah, but maybe. I don't think, I don't think he's going to bring you a triple a guy that's going to make the jump next year and be able to play right field. Well, you have to find a taker, someone that wants to right. trade for him. And, and the, the teams that are willing to trade for a guy like that are limited to get teams that are sort of in contention right now. And then you have to hope one of them needs a right fielder really badly. Um, so, I mean, I could see him, I could see him being a, not particularly valuable, but the Reds getting something of value back for him. But I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm at the point where I'm ready to let's ride this guy. And if, uh, we only get him for one more year on a qualifying offer or not at all. Okay. But I, I think I'm taking my chance on bringing him around, uh, because, uh, I don't know. He just, he brings some excitement, brings some fun and he's actually a pretty good player too. So, uh, I like having him on the team. So. Well, I also think this falls into that that buyer and seller argument too, and and if you know if you're not going to get guys that are going to really help you next year, then if you if you clean house, you know after the after the tra- at the trade deadline and and the rest of the year they you know they win twenty games and end up losing eighty five or ninety games again, or if not more, you know because they they traded half the team away, then I think. Everything you build up in the first half of this season is gone. All the positivity that you've got in the fan base is gone. 
Yeah. You know, because it, it makes it look like, well, we're rebuilding again. Yeah. And no one wants to use that word. No. Ever again. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm that's that's where I stand on that. I agree with you. I have, I have a question because I've got the Reds game on here. How does Ryan Braun swing that? He, he looks like he swings the longest bat in baseball. It looks um, like a telephone pole. He's done something to increase his strength, I imagine, so that he can yes, swing right? that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. I'm not going to speculate on that. But, uh, but uh, hey, you want to answer some uh, some viewer mail questions? I thought we already were. Well, we're going to dig into them uh, hot and heavy. We we answered some that were part of our natural conversation on the topics we wanted to discuss. But now we've got some other topics under the hash brown viewer mail. And, and by the way, it was pointed out, I think uh, uh, Mike Flick on Twitter pointed out that last week when you and Jason were talking, at the end of it, Jason said that uh, you all don't need me as you have seen, he said, which means as you have seen, you must be viewers. So, uh-huh. hashtag viewer mail. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. Before we do this, <laughs> I want to ask you a question. Okay, let's hear it. This goes back to one from last week. Top three baseball movies for you. Top th- That was a good one, yeah. You all, uh, I know you got hammered a little bit about The Sandlot. I wouldn't put The Sandlot in my top three baseball movies, although I enjoy I've it. I have seen The Sandlot, so. Uh, it's a lot better if you're nine years old. You know, it's it's one of those, but it's a pretty good movie. You know, I mean, it's got Wendy Peppercorn, which is, whew, and you know, uh, you're killing me, Smalls, and it's a it's a good, it's a really fun movie. I like it. Uh, my top three baseball movies are gonna be. Uh, I am gonna go Field of Dreams. Yeah, and uh, because I thought, I'm, I thought that was a favorite of yours. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm that. Uh, I've said it before. I'm sort of that one of these gooey, sentimental baseball fans, you know, and and that's one that. Uh, has always appealed to me. Um, Major League, you know, you mentioned that one as being your favorite, I think, or up there. Yeah, I did. I think I think that movie. I'm not saying it's a great comedy, but I think it's hysterical. Oh, it's oh, it is. It's laugh out loud funny, and uh, it's got a great story. Uh, you know, about a my favorite coach. line. My favorite line. Let's not start a holy war here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a it's a good one. Uh, I need to watch that one again sometime. Uh, probably. Eight Men Out, I think, is probably up there for me. I really, yeah, I like that one a lot, too. I really love Eight Men Out. Um, Bull Durham, of course. I don't know if I can narrow it down to three. I know I would not put on my top three the uh, the, the Kevin Costner one. That, you that Jason, see, I like that one better than most people do. I kind of, I, you know, I like the baseball part of that. Yeah, but, you know, I keep seeing uh, Waterworld when I see Kevin Costner, so I couldn't I couldn't get that. Uh, but you like- would you like Bull Durham? Love Bull Durham. Love Bull Durham. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, Chad, Kevin Costner's in Bull Durham. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But no, that was Crash Davis. That wasn't Kevin Costner. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, you got me on that one. Uh, I like League of Their Own, too. I like that movie a lot. That's definitely top three. That may be number one for me. That movie is fantastic. And it's one of those that, to this day, kind of like Major League, you can rewatch and rewatch and rewatch, and it never gets old to me. Yeah, that's in fact, I think I said that when I talked about there are certain any of those movies that we just talked to. Most of them, if you're clicking around and they're on, you stop for a few minutes to watch a couple scenes. Yeah. Now, I, I Field of Dreams, I can blow right by. It it does not strike a chord with me at all, and I can't explain it because because most of my friends that are baseball fans are like you. They love that movie. Yeah, it's great. It's it's not a te- listen. I'm a huge movie fan, as listeners of the podcast know. It's not a technically good movie. 
It's not the one well, that see, I, I don't be... like. I don't like technically good movies. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's true. I, I do. Like, I like movies that entertain me. Well, that one is entertaining. If you're a baseball fan, I saw. Yeah, I went and saw yesterday. Yesterday. When? When did you see it? I saw yesterday. Yesterday. Thank you. That was not an echo. <laughs> and it's it's a cute, fun little movie. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, you probably liked all the comic book movies too. Yeah, I do. I enjoy. I go see those with my son, though. So I see them with my son as well. But uh, some of them you got to kind of suffer through. I'm just begging to some be. Are than, it's like anything else. Some are better than others. Yeah, so none of them are technically good movies, but some of them are fun. A lot of them are fun, actually. Um, all right, let's. Uh, let's my guess. My guess is you and I would not agree on what is a technically good movie. No, I'm sure we would not. Yeah, um, you'd be wrong, and I'd be right, but we'll just go on from there. I, I'm I'm used to that. Mm-hmm. At patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you can uh, support the uh, the podcast, and thanks to all of you that do support us over there, Joseph Prince asks, based on Mr. Lack's eyeball test, Mr. Lack, <laughs> wow, respect. Mr. That's Mr. Remember that, that's Mr. Lack to you. <laughs> based on Mr. Lack's eyeball test, it seems the ball and strike calls have been worse this year than ever. While I doubt MLB would begin using the computer umpire, do you think there's a solution that could be, could be implemented Hash brown listener mail. Joseph, I'm going to block you if you keep using that hashtag. No, I love you, Joseph. What do you think? Uh, robot umpires? Well, he, he's right. I do feel now, you know, and Chris has talked about this a number of times on the broadcast that he thinks since they've got the square up there or the rectangle up there, that that's what's led to a lot more of the, the arguing balls and strikes. But I think it also shows how bad some of the, the umpires been. Uh, and there's a Twitter feed that, that that shows the ones that you know this bit on so and so they were six inches off of the plate on this strike um i think it's is it the is it the cape cod league or the atlantic league or somewhere where they're doing the, the robot umpires oh i don't know i hadn't seen that one of the wood bat leagues there, so. there, was, there was somewhere up on the east coast i thought that they were they, they were trying some of these new ideas of, of of you know what baseball's thinking about now maybe maybe it wasn't robot umpires um one of the one of the I don't know if it was HBO Sports or somebody did a story on it a couple of years ago. I'll be honest. I'd have no problem with robot umpires for balls and strikes. Not one problem at all. Well, I think that what uh, – I don't think it will ever happen, but – Here's what I would suggest. That the umpire's already holding uh, the ball and strike counter in his hand. Have that be an electronic thing where – it, uh, it it alerts you if it's in the zone or if it's out, and then you can let umpires call the you know plays at the plate and everything else. Well, if but, you're going to do that, they're not, I mean they're not doing anything. I mean they're calling the plays at the plate, but I mean I mean they're going to have to be there for the plays at the plate anyway. Well, that's what I'm saying. So just have that guy, and that's how you know that it's a. I mean he's the robot umpire. I mean, but you could put him back there in a lawn chair, and you know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> let, let me uh, disagree with you about something though. I think in some instances you're right about what that square has shown us because there are a few umpires that miss calls repeatedly. But I would say way more often I am amazed at how many calls these umpires get right on balls and strikes. You know, the top 90% of umpires, I can't tell you the number of times there's one that's right on the right on the line and they're calling it correctly. And I'm like, whoa, you know, that's pretty impressive. And we wouldn't have known before. Uh, I would be curious to know year to year since they've started using the, the you know started tracking it whether they're, they're whether they're getting more right or more wrong 
and you're never going to get that. I don't think you're ever going to get that information. No, not publicly, but you right. know, I, I'm, I'm the opposite of a lot of people. Um, because I think that what I've learned is that umpires are doing a much better job calling balls and strikes than I realized. Now I'm not talking about the guys like Angel Hernandez, who is literally the worst umpire in the history of baseball. No, he's the worst official in the history of all organized sports. But uh, I think there's some bad ones like him. But most of these umpires, I think, are actually doing a pretty darn good job, and that's what I've taken away from from this. So. But I and it's, think, it's not an easy job. It's a, it's impossible. Have you tried to do it? I couldn't even imagine. Oh, I've tried it, you know, just on a local level, and it's just, I did it one time, and I said, I'm not doing this again. It's it's impossible. Yeah. So, um, anyway, good question, Joseph. Rich Thompson has a question. Now, this is, uh, I told you before we went on that none of the questions this week were any of these uh, outside of Reds baseball questions. And, you uh, lied? Well, I didn't lie at the time, but Rich got his question in just before press time here, and uh, so you, you're not you're not ready on this one. I'm not particularly ready either, but I, I do want to answer it because it's a very good question, and I'm sure you'll be able to come up with an answer to this one pretty quickly. Uh, as a reminder, any questions you ask us for viewer mail, it can be about the Reds, but it doesn't have to be. It can be, be about literally anything. Rich asks at patreon.com slash Radio if you could go back in time and see one of sports' greatest moments live, what would it be? Mine would be to see the Miracle on Ice at the 1980 Winter Olympics. If you could go back in time, see one of sports' greatest moments live, what would it be, Bill? Like, you got something on the top of your head that's uh, you're itching to to see to say? Well, I, I like your answer a lot, and, and, and I, I I mean, you're talking about attending live. I mean, I saw the Miracle on Ice. Yeah, that's yeah. that's rich. That's Rich's uh, answer was Miracle on Ice. Oh, oh, I thought that was yours. I, I, I like that answer. That's a good um, answer. Yeah, but we're talking being live in the arena, in the stadium. In the stadium. Well, let me tell you what mine is while well, you think of what yours might be. Okay. I, I think mine probably is, uh, what year What year was it? 1930-whatever Olympics. Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Winning the gold medals in front of Hitler. I mean, I, to me, that I, I would have that would have been amazing to be in that arena and uh, in that under those circumstances and see him just blow away the competition and, and put the lie to, uh, to, to Hitler's theories. To to me, that's, that's probably where I would go. I mean, I'd like to see the 1919 world series, the reds, you know, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the the big red machine. I'd like to be in that game six, you know, that would, that's up there, but I don't know. Jesse Owens is where I'm going to go. That's pretty strong. Uh, I think, I would go Ali Liston first fight. Now, was that the Thriller in Manila? No, no. Ali Liston. Oh, that was only one of them. Yeah. No, the Thriller in Manila was Ali Frazier 3. Ali Frazier. See, you're you're ahead of my time, but that would have been a great one. Liston was when Ali won, when, 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 actually, it was Cassius Clay Liston when he won the title the first time. So that wasn't the Rope a Dope. No, that was Foreman. That was the, that was. The rumble in the jungle. Ah, that's what I meant. The rumble in the jungle. Yes. So Cassius Clay and uh, Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston won. Of course, then there was a rematch. I think it was like six or eight months later, and Clay knocked him out in the first round with the with the invisible punch. Ah, yes. The fa- the famous picture of Ali standing over of Clay standing over 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 listening is the one that's from the first fight. That or is, no, I, actually, 
Maybe it's not. Maybe it's from the second fight. I think it maybe it probably but that would what mine would be would be Clay Liston one. That picture of him standing over, listen, that is the single image in the history of any sport. To me, that's the most iconic. I you, love know the other, you know the other thing that comes to my mind is Nicholas's last win at the Masters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 46 years old. I was watching that on television, but it would have been pretty cool to be there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's another one. The uh, uh, What's the guy's name? I'd like to have been there at the uh, when uh, uh, the greatest game ever played. Oh, gosh. What was that guy's name? golf tournament. Anyway, uh, we just had another question come in at patreon.com slash redleg radio. Matt Sheary asks, would you rather get a paper cut between your fingers every time you touch paper or bite your tongue every time you eat something? That's an easy one, man. I would yeah, rather, that's easy. I'll take the paper one because I can stay away from paper. I can stay away from paper and I would, although I touch a lot of paper. And in if my... you've ever seen me, you know I don't stay away from food. <laughs> exactly. Well, if you did, you wouldn't uh, do it very long. So uh, these are the types of questions. I'd be a little more svelte if I bit my tongue all the time. That's though. a good point. Might uh, make me get in shape. Uh, good question. Uh, we have the best uh, viewers. There's just no question about it. All right. Let's... I like this. Fun. Yeah, that's good stuff. Let's see what else we've got here. Um, David Moore underscore WV. This is asks on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Redleg Radio. This is David from Best Virginia. Best Best Uh-oh. Virginia, he said. What do you think about that, Bill? Was he? Is this your next-door neighbor? Well, West Virginia is our next-door neighbor. I know. Uh, I've been seeing Francisco. I thought, I thought you said Best Virginia. Yeah, he's claiming that West Virginia is. And I did say that a couple podcasts ago, so I'm going to have to go yes, with it. Yes, you did. That was with me. Yes, yeah. you did. So I'm going to go with it. You're right, David. I'm from Les Virginia or something. I've been seeing Francisco Lindor's name come up in trade possibilities with the Reds. Think that'll happen. What we have to give up to get him. I'm okay with giving up anybody for him. Hashtag viewer mail. Now, I mentioned earlier today, I was listening to the Red Reporter podcast. They've relaunched their podcast and they do a good job with it. And you should all go listen to the Red Reporter podcast. Um, Golden era for Reds podcast right now. Uh, that we need to talk about it sometime, but uh, a lot of good ones out there. But uh, that one, Wick Terrell, our buddy from Red Reporter, Wick Terrell, mentioned that the Indians are maybe tearing things down soon. And wow, what would it take to get Francisco Lindor? And it just I almost drove off the road. I mean, uh, for those of you that uh, haven't been paying attention, Francisco Lindor is unbelievable. He's 25 years old. He's made the last four All-Star teams, including this year. He's just an elite elite shortstop and you know uh, for example he was almost an eight eight win eight win player last year eight wins above replacement he won, a he won his first gold glove at 22 yeah yeah and last year at 24 he put up eight wins above replacement i mean this guy's unbelievable and so i got to thinking man what would you give up for that guy because after this year, he's making uh, almost 11 million right now um arbitration eligible but he can't after this season, he's still under team control for two more seasons. And my answer to what I would give up for Francisco Lindor, pretty much anything. There is not well, a, it, would, it would depend on whether you could get him signed to a deal when you brought him over. Even if you couldn't. You've you, got to, you'd clear out the minor league system for two years for him? Yes. 
Absolutely, 100%. For the next two years, when everybody else is kind of coalescing around him, um, he could be the piece that puts them over the top. Yes, absolutely. I would wipe out the farm system for him. Puig just hit a ball that almost almost tore the glove off the pitcher's hand. Did it hurt the poor poor pitcher? Well, no, but they had to replace the ball because it had a flat spot on it. Oh. Why does Puig keep doing the things that are really... He's just destructive. He's just a destructive young man. He's a destructive young man. Red's clinging to a one-to-nothing lead, I see. Yeah, and and, uh, Sonny Gray pitched through seven. Wow. Sonny Gray, man. Love that guy. See, he's around the next three years. Except I predicted he'd be an all-star this year, so maybe I'll be off by a year. Yeah, yeah. No, he's been fine. I got no, no issues with Sonny Gray. He's been good. But, yeah, with respect to a guy like Lindor, those guys don't grow on trees. And if you only have him for the next two years, well, okay. But that's two years. That's a long time. And Two to nothing. And there you go. Maybe you can get him signed. But if not, you know, I still, I'm, I I, I trade for him. Taylor Trammell, fine. Hunter Green, fine. Jonathan India, fine. Whatever. Whoever you want. Tell all me. three of them? Yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd trade all three of them for Francisco Lindor. Am I crazy? I don't know. I for two years, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot to give up for two years. I want. I, I want. If I'm going to empty my farm system, I want more than two years control. Two years is a long time, and not a single one of those guys that we just mentioned. Do I? Am I sure any of them are going to play in the major leagues? Left groin tightness for Scooter Jeanette. Oh, and that and that was. Oh man. Well, maybe it's yep. a, maybe it's a precautionary thing, you know. Hopefully, yeah. So, I'd put him. I'd put him on the ten day DL tonight. Yeah. Hey, why don't you do me a favor, Bill? Before the next time you're on the yep. podcast, just keep an eye on Scooter Jeanette's growing for us. No, I, you know I'm going to be out of town. Sorry. <laughs> okay, not not going to do that. <laughs> um, all right. What other viewer mail questions we got? That's a good question, uh, David, from Best Virginia. Yes, it is. I, I would I, I'd give up anybody for him. I mean, I would. I just I think two years is a long time. That's you know everybody's like, well, we got to play for the future. Whatever. This is the present, and he would change this organization. Is it going to happen? No. Uh, and that was one of his questions. Think it'll happen? No, I don't. But if Lindor becomes available, and the Reds can get him for the next uh, two and a half years, I'm gonna get him right now. They better be at least in on the discussions. Well, you know, one thing that I want to talk about, though, real quick, is you said if the Indians just decide to break up, they really already did that. They kind of did that in the offseason. They well, unloaded about half of their offense. They unloaded the expensive ones. And that's the thing. Lindor's not expensive yet. But uh, evidently their uh, owner, GM, someone made some kind of comment about, you know, enjoy him now or something. I don't uh, – Wick referenced that. I'm not sure exactly – what was said? I need to find that. But uh, if if he's actually available, man, I would go all out to get that guy. But then again, there's going to be 28 other teams going all out to get that guy too. That's how good he is. Yeah. Jordan Barhorst at Jordan Barhorst on Twitter asks, "I want MLB to institute promotion, relegation, and loan windows. How do we get there?" And what that means for those of you that aren't familiar with European football, also known as soccer here in the States, uh, for example, the Premier League in, uh, in, in English soccer and all over Europe, the bottom three teams in the 
standings at the end of the season drop down to essentially the minor leagues. And the top three teams in the, the, the top minor league come up to the Premier League. So it would essentially be that at some point in the last three years, the Reds would have dropped down to the into AAA and someone would have been promoted up. I think it's great. It would force every major league owner to put try as hard as he could to put a winning team on the field every single year so that you don't get dropped down to AAA. Um, the only way to do it is what Doug Gray responded on Twitter, which is time travel. It had to have been done years ago. It could have been done in baseball because there's so it's just like in English soccer, there's so many teams. Every town's got a team, and you can work your way all the way up. It's the same way in, in America with all the minor league teams. It could have been done years ago. It wasn't. It's never going to happen, but I think it would be great because it would force – you couldn't tank. There would be no such thing as tanking anymore. So, anyway, anything you want to say about that? I know you're not a big soccer guy. No. But I, don't the, I don't have anything to say to that. What about the U.S. women's national team? In the yeah, World hopefully, Cup? They'll win on my, hopefully they'll win on my birthday. Now we're talking – World Cup final this weekend. Can't wait. Oh, they're playing fantastic. Love that bunch. Let's see now. What else do we have on for some viewer mail? Tyler Bricky asks, Tyler Bricky at the heavy underscore 217. I personally feel like the Reds should retire the number 30 for both Griffey Jr. and Sr. If you put their accomplishments as members of the Reds together, I think they're very deserving. What do you think? Hashtag viewer mail. No. I, think it's a, I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> wow. Don't uh, mince words here, Bill. Griffey Sr. was a good player. Not a, never. He was never a great Reds player. And Junior was past his prime when he got here. There, there's a lot of guys whose numbers I'd retire long before we got to them. You're awful, awful hostile tonight, Bill. No, I'm not. I'm just... I think I just think that's a bad idea. I would not retire the number thirty for both of them. I think that uh, they're special. Uh, the fact that they're both Reds and they both were, were pretty good as Reds, and um, I think that what we have is you have two guys that are members of the Reds Hall of Fame, as they should be, and that's that's how they're honored with the Reds. A retirement should be something more special and reserved for just a, kind of the inner circle, and so that's why I wouldn't. Um, I think the Reds have probably retired. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I started to say, well, I'm not going to say it because you'll yell at me. Uh, Tyler had another question. You say they've retired enough numbers? Is no, I think, I think I've retired too many. There's one or two that I wouldn't have retired. Um, like who I wouldn't you have retired? Who, no, who wouldn't you have, no, no. Not curious. No, I'm not doing this. You're I gonna, wouldn't have re- I, I probably wouldn't have retired Concepcion. Oh, I thought you were going to yell at me. That's who I was going to say. I thought you'd yell at me because you're the big red machine guy. Yeah, but... I, I'm also a guy that I don't think Davey can, you know, most people of my era think that Concepcion should have been, should be in the hall of fame and there's no way in the world he should be in the hall of fame. No, he, he should be, he'd be in the hall of very, very good. Yeah, no, I agree. I think his case for why his numbers retired is a pretty strong one. Actually, I don't think I would have done it, but I mean, he played what, 18 years, all with the Reds. He was the captain, you know, uh, only been one captain since, Yeah, you know, I, I'm not scream, jumping up screaming about it. He's one of the best Reds ever, but I probably wouldn't. Tyler also asked, give me an over-under for all-star game appearances for these pitchers as members of the Reds. And he had, he had a, a guess for all of them. I'm going to see what you would say first. Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and Tyler Malley. All-star game appearances for each of those guys. In their careers? In their careers as members of the Reds. I would say Castillo... The most, 
and I don't know what the number would be, Gray, and then that I don't I don't know that Molly will ever be an All Star pitcher. Yeah, he he says Castillo three, Gray one, Molly one. I can see Castillo three. He's got that much talent. He's just twenty six. He's already made one. Uh, Gray, I think, has a good chance. He stands a good chance. I, I think we're seeing a real Sonny Gray here, and I, I would not be surprised. I don't know that he will, but I wouldn't be surprised to give him one. Uh, you know, Matley could. He's got such a specific skill set. You could see him rolling off a, uh, you know, first two months of the season where he's just, you know, putting the ball out wherever he wants and sneaks on an all-star team. I, you know, he's... More of a two-three yeah, starter. Kind of a Jack Armstrong for you know first half. Yeah, I started to say that, but but I think he's a lot more talented than Jack Armstrong ever was. Uh, but I just think he's a two or three type starter, and that's a valuable type player. I just don't know that I see him as as an all star. Uh, any other quick viewer mail questions here? Let me see here. Uh, now they just said that the groin thing with with Scooter, whichever one he was on the DL for, it's the other side of the groin. <laughs> that does not sound promising at all. No, it doesn't. Can you tell us a little more about the various sides of Scooter Jeanette's groin, Bill? Well, I never understood that when they talk about that because I've only got one groin. All righty. I think that's a good place to end this one here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, built. No, no, no we, we wanted to talk about Barry Larkin. We do need to talk about that uh, quickly. I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot to talk about it. You texted me. just You do this occasionally with just some random factoid. And why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us what that, uh, where that conversation well, first, led. First thing is, if, if you ever want to just find some out some weird stuff, look some weird stuff, look at things, just go out on Baseball Reference and just poke around. And, and I was looking, I don't even know what made me look at this. I was looking at, I think it was John Fay was on Twitter talking to somebody about somebody that caught for the Reds for like an inning, and they were talking about whether it was Bench or Concepcion, and it turned out it wasn't either. But... And I got to looking at who, you know, what other positions they played. And I looked at Larkin. And his rookie year, you know, when he was fighting with Stillwell at the very beginning for playing time, he played, he started to, he played three games at second base. After 1980, after those three games in 1986, other than three times when he DH'd, every game Barry Larkin played for the rest of his career was at shortstop. That's 2,085 games minus three, five, six. So, you know, a whole bunch of games. And I told you that didn't really surprise me because you got a gold glove shortstop. Once he's earned the position, why would you put him somewhere else? But then you dropped a David Concepcion on me. Yeah, then I looked at Concepcion. And, and even, you know, well, late in his career, he didn't pull, you know, he, in his last year, he only played 13 games at shortstop. But all through his career, he played some third base. 1984, he played 54 games at third base. Um, you know, and even early in his career, when you know he, he played some second base, he played some third base, he played a little bit of outfield. 71, he played five games in center field. Sparky man, thinking outside the box. Sparky move him around, and, and and which got us to laughing about something else was was if you ever want to see something really interesting, look at the standard fielding on Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench only played, played catcher right until late in his career. He played third base late in his career, but he only played catcher up until then, right? Well, the year the first year he won the 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 MVP, nineteen seventy. Yep, he played twenty. He started seventeen games in the outfield, including two in center field. He started two games in center field. 
<laughs> I mean, you can't. I can't even fathom that. I mean, you know, as, as I said to you when we were twi- when we were we were uh, texting about this, he was an athlete. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Can you imagine Tucker Barnhart starting in Centerville? <laughs> no. Well, he, he, he well, you have to be so tall to get on the ride. I guess. I guess. I guess the way I look at it is, you know, we love you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm never going to complain about Jesse Winker playing center field ever again because uh, Johnny Bench played there. All right. You got anything else for us, Bill Lack? Nope. All right. This has been episode number 275 of Red Leg Nation Radio. Thanks for joining us once again for another fun ride uh, on the roller coaster that is the Cincinnati Reds. You can uh, subscribe. You know how to subscribe to the podcast. We're everywhere you subscribe to podcasts. We're there. Go check us out at redlegnationradio.com. All our prior episodes, all 275 episodes, you'll be able to find those. Listen to them if you want. Get us at wherever, whatever podcast app you, you have. Use that. You'll find us. Uh, he's uh, at Bill Redleg in. I'm at Dotson C. We are at Redleg Radio on Twitter. And you can find us at Redleg Nation where, uh, and redlegnation.com, where we've been talking about the Reds every single day since 2005. Bill, always good talking to you, buddy. Always enjoy it, my friend. All right, for Bill Lack and Scooter Jeanette's groin, this is Chad Dotson saying... Is that his left or his right groin? So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from redlegnation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at redlegnation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.